0: Hello and welcome to the podcast series, Narcissism Revealed with Dr. Provo. Greetings to all of my listeners, not only around the US, but around the globe. With that said, let's tune in to the next episode and welcome our special guest. Today's podcast is entitled, Me and My Narcissistic Pastor Mother. We wanted to emphasize that this particular narcissistic mother is also a pastor. This is going to be a very interesting episode because this mother abandoned her child, along with the entire family, in her greatest time of need. This guest was facing a life-threatening illness, unemployment, homelessness, assault multiple surgeries, and is still recuperating from now what is 18 years past her original diagnosis. This perfect Christian family who belonged to the church abandoned and neglected their child who really needed someone to support her while she went through almost two decades of severe challenges. Her story is so multi-layered that we're going to do two parts. So tune in for part one. And then in the next podcast, we will do part two with her. Uh, You will hear unimaginable grief. She's kind of got a sadness to her voice, but boy, does she have courage. I welcome her to the show and she is up next. So why don't you introduce yourself? Oh, I'm sorry. I talked over you. (laughs) So why don't you introduce yourself to the audience?
1: My name is Jane Doe. I'm an African-American woman. I'm 50 years of age. As I did complete high school, I furthered my education with college. And what position are you in the family? Did you come from a single
0: home or a family with both of your parents?
1: I was a family. I had both of my parents. My parents divorced when I was seven years old. I'm the third child of four. And how many brothers and sisters do you have? I have two older brothers and one younger sister. And what was it like growing up in your family? It was uh, sometimes an emotional roller coaster. Okay. I was loved um, by my family. Mm-hmm. I was a strong link, I was a nurturer in my family mm-hmm. among my siblings. And even with my parents, okay. Uh, my father was an abusive husband to my mother. Um, sometimes my my household was very dysfunctional. Uh-huh. Uh, the moving around from place to place, the changing of schools, moving to different locations.
0: Uh-huh. Uh huh.
1: Sometimes it was unstable. But I had an aunt that was always there. Um, he tried to protect us in every which way. Who always provided. Security uh-huh, for uh-huh. us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when you say it was chaotic
0: and, and your father was abusive, did you, did the children actually see abuse?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um,
0: and how did that make you feel at that time? Because when you're young, you really don't know what's going on. You know,
1: I don't even know how I felt. I don't think I really felt the feelings of um, what it was like to really be in an abusive relationship. It mm-hmm. didn't happen to me um, per se, but it was my mom. And be, it's like, I felt the effect of the abuse to my mom, the night she cried, the times my father beat her up really bad. I felt, how could I help her? How could I stop my dad from this type of behavior? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Um, For him, because that's not what a man is supposed to do. Right. I was somewhat spoiled by my dad, so at that time I was the only girl. Um, I. um, It's okay.
0: Now you said you were the nurturer. You know, I kind of caught that. You said that you were the nurturer. So, were you also protective of your siblings during that time?
1: Yes, I was.
0: Mm Hmm. Because the first thing you said was, how could I help her? You wanted to help your mom.
1: Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know how. Mm
0: -hmm. And I
1: think just to to see my mom feel so vulnerable Mm -hmm. on how how to protect my children. She wanted out, but she didn't know how to get out. Because even when the door was open, when my aunt would always rescue us, my mom always went back.
0: And do you can you you can't access those feelings now, huh?
1: Um, I think my feelings now hmm.
0: I mean access how you felt back then. Can you think about it now and know how you felt then?
1: I felt afraid.
0: Mhm.
1: One part of me, I felt grateful because I know I always had an outlet um to run to. Mm-hmm. I didn't talk about it in school. I never talked about it, um, actually to no one. I never talked about it um, to anyone about the abuse that was going on in the house. Mm
0: -hmm. And you said he left when you were seven. What was the final thing that got your mother out of that situation?
1: My father went to prison. Um, I knew that he was very protective, very controlling. Mm -hmm. Um, I always wanted to protect his, his, um, his children. Yes. And I, I felt that he did love us, but he didn't know maybe how to express it. I was able to gather all that information um, later in life of why he was the way that he was. Uh huh. And he went away for a while. He was convicted. Uh huh. Um, and how long is a while? Years. I'm going to estimate about 15, maybe 17.
0: Okay. Maybe
1: 15 uh-huh. to 20 years he was gone. He okay. was out of her life
0: okay and that gave your mother the chance to then remove herself out of that situation
1: and i think it really hit me when they took my mom to jail too but she was later released she didn't do a long time maybe just she was just there for a couple of days that uh-huh. part as i start to play back in my brain i do remember that and my aunt had um, took us in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at that point, my mom, she was just fed up and she decided to divorce him while he was in prison. And he was bitter behind that. Okay. And so how did the family
0: go forward? I know your aunt was on the side, always watching and protecting, but how did the the family go forward? um, Income wise, financially, emotionally?
1: We stayed with my aunt, as I I recall. Um, My aunt supported my mom and myself and the rest of my siblings, Mm -hmm. her and my uncle. And Mm -hmm. my mom eventually uh, became employed. She had a really good job, She became employed. And that's kind of what started off her finances for getting back on track. And then we eventually moved into our own place. Yes,
0: yes. And so now you have that cohesive nuclear family with your mom, your two brothers yourself and then eventually there was a little sister yes she was actually eight months when my father went to prison okay and so what was the turning point because I know that you kind of became the outcast of the family how did we go from there to you and your mother had somewhat of a turbulent relationship
1: I asked my question at some time I don't know um I've always been strong well. Um, things wasn't always like that, that I remember. Um, I just felt that I always had to, I don't know if that's because she didn't know how to express or how to even, um, sometimes I don't know, because I, I never knew what she was thinking. She never really talked about her feelings. Mm-hmm. So I always pretty much stayed with my aunt. And then we, my mom had us in church. And I think we, we've never talked about it after that incident. My father went to prison. Sometimes they would talk negative about my dad, but uh-huh. we never talked about it after that uh-huh. about what happened. Uh-huh. So my mom started back to work, and life just moved on. We mm-hmm. never thought we never brought it. We never talked about it. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we, My mom had us in church. Uh, every uh, um since I was seven that i that, that I can recall we, I, we were always involved in church
0: and as you moved into adolescence, how did your relationship turn because I know there's this turn Can you point to anything that uh that went on between you and your mother
1: um during my my mom was very um religious she was very um I want to say things really changed when I became an adult. I don't know where, okay. at, at what time and what part um, that transition really, I don't know if she always felt that way about me. Mm-hmm. I still, I, to this day, I can still never put my finger on it. Okay. On why she, I feel why she treats me different among everyone else.
0: T- tell us how she treats you that's so different from the others.
1: Hmm.
0: You want to pause?
1: Yes, I do. <laughs> It's just so much. Hmm.
0: And what are the emotions that are coming up for you?
1: Um. I guess I just never really felt their support in anything, really.
0: Uh-huh. So would you say it started in your 20s? I'll
1: like say my 20s. Mm-hmm. And give, a,
0: give, give me an example of what you needed and what you didn't get. And see, there's someone out there suffering the same thing. So as you struggle through it, it's okay because they're struggling through the same thing. And so it, it really is okay. And maybe someone can identify with what you have gone through. So maybe give me an example of what you needed in your early twenties that for which she wasn't there.
1: Um, You know, I think the only thing I guess she never really talked too much about growing up. I felt sometimes that it was always, maybe I probably felt it later than that. Um, you know how you always say you need your parents no matter what your parents are supposed to be there for you no matter what and everybody who was in my circle I, their parents are always available for them. Uh huh. Um, but okay, okay let me see let me t- try to take it back here. Um, so, you know to be honest I really don't know how she should have supported me um, now that I think about it as time as time went on Mm-hmm. I don't even know what I was looking for at that time. Mm-hmm. I think more so, I started looking for a mother's love, support, comfort, I have you, family unity, maybe in my early 30s. Mm-hmm. So you can't. Because I always that. wanted to be so independent. I, I, basically, I was always very independent growing up hmm Um, being the caretaker when well, my mom was at work, single mom, raising four um kids, you know, cooking, cleaning, taking care of everybody in the house, sometimes even my mom. Mm-hmm. So I think I didn't really experience the um the turn until maybe I was in my early 30s now that I'm starting to play it back. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what I was supposed to really expect from her, just what she did provide for us, make sure that we had make sure that we had a way made a way, because she was so Overbearing, with, you know, we grew up in a um, we grew up in a um, era that my mom we were Pentecostal. We couldn't wear pants. She was always worried about how other people felt about her kids. We couldn't wear pants. We couldn't go to the movies. We couldn't do this because the church said so. And I was always the one who wanted an answer. Well, Why, Mom? I'm not a bad kid. I'm not out there searching for trouble. You know, you have to give me some room um, to breathe. So I don't it, I don't know if it was because of her own insecurities that she had um, growing up and the self-esteem that she had and how my father handled her because I think my father maybe treated me different she felt uh-huh um, maybe that's why mm-hmm. I still don't have a clear definition but that's kind of what I feel and what's interesting
0: is you talk about being the caretaker um you talk about doing the cooking, the cleaning, the watching the younger siblings, and even taking care of your older brothers. Um, so I wonder, do you see that in sometimes you were in her role? Mm-hmm. And so you were doing all the caretaking and really not receiving the support of, of, of a mother. Does that sound likely?
1: Um, You know, I don't really know what to think because sometimes I think, well, maybe I I always, I guess, wanted to make her happy because she was always so sad growing up. I don't think I could ever really call her being very happy. Mm -hmm. She wore wore a mask Mm -hmm. um, because of all the things that um, she was enduring from my dad. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just want to, I always, I think, tried to ease the load off of her. I think that's why I just became the caretaker. Mama, mother, I don't want you to worry. You know, I know you're working two jobs trying to take care of four kids. I want you to be um, happy. And I, and I would always encourage her, mom, can you take care of yourself sometime?
0: Uh-huh. But mm-hmm.
1: then I think that as I got older, when I was faced with a crisis in my life, I wanted my mom to do the same for me.
0: Of course. Of course.
1: And so I think that's that. That's where um, everything fell apart. When I went through a crisis in my life and my mom, I felt that she just disowned me, but she took on to my younger sister and their explanation, their excuse was, oh, my dad wasn't there. Your dad was this way, your dad was that way. Mm-hmm. And I always just prayed and just tried to stay, just tried to stay happy even, even all through my, um, my childhood. And even through my adolescence Mm -hmm. and I, and my, and I always said, I hope that I never have to go through a relationship like that.
0: Mm -hmm. Now tell us a little bit about the crisis because you uh, indicate that as a turning point. And so what was the crisis you went through where you needed her so much?
1: Um, let me go back here now. Okay. When I was, um, 33. Thirty-three. I was thirty-three. Um, I was in a relationship, and we were engaged to be married. And um, at the age of thirty-three, um, I was I was, um, diagnosed with HIV from my partner. Mm-hmm. And at first, I didn't I didn't talk about it. I was already working in the social service field, so some things I I would always say I want to I would want to understand what it was like to be an abused victim. I was never, I've never been abused bi- a victim, what it was like to feel in other people's shoes. And so when I told my mom, it was like, she looked at me as like if I was dirty. And I later on said, mom, we all get hit with something that we don't ask for. Sometimes things just happen, but it doesn't mean that you mishandle me even more. And everything was um, because the church, she stood behind what, how she felt about the church. Yes. And how other people would feel. And um, I got better. And then right in that 2000, 2003 is when I was diagnosed with HIV. And then two years later, my world really took a turn. That was one hit in 2003 when I was diagnosed with HIV. Yes. Um, I was able to, to make it through that transition um, by putting my own self in through therapy and reaching out. And I was able to past that. And then in 2005, I um, sustained um, another turning point with my health due to an a injury that I occurred. Mm-hmm. And my mom could never understand. It's like, oh, Tamika, you you got it. Everything was like, oh, pray. God, um, God, um, God got you. He'll take care of you. I said, mom, this is the real world. Sometimes I could never understand why they never grabbed me. I just felt that she was always pushing me off on other people other people's parents to take care of me. I said, well, they have their own problems. I'm your daughter. And I did, I felt abandoned from her when, when I needed her the most. Yeah. And, and with my daughter, because I do have um, a daughter. She's 31 now. And when she was going through some trying times in her life, I felt that a mom didn't really, really support me as I felt that she should have. Mm-hmm. That when my. It was like my daughter was turned against me. You know, she had a baby at 16. Um, and I just felt that they tried to, sh- they I feel always felt they try to like overshadow me when they don't have to. Yes. And I don't know if that was as I um, study um, in this field. I don't know if that was a shield, maybe because of what they were dealing, because of their own insecurities, um, and just why they just felt that they always had to try to be above me, that I was always less than sometimes I felt that way. Mm-hmm. And when um, I was in a situation, I was really ill. And my mom left me in the street homeless. I was at a bus station, the train station. I said, mom, I'm really ill. And she left me there. I think I felt so abandoned and so alone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when it really hit home. Like yeah. what did I do wrong? Um, if, if you can't go anywhere, I always feel that you should always be able to go to go to your parents. Yes. To grab you, especially if that I'm a female. Um, I'm out in the street. I have a serious medical condition, which caused me to be impaired, not being able to walk, talk, sometimes see. And she left me out there. Yes. And she always used every to um, use God. She always used God on everything that I said, even when it was true. And I was angry with her. I was very bitter. And she never took responsibility for what she, how she handled me. It mm-hmm. was always, she pushed me off the other people. And then when
0: those people didn't come through, you were alone. I just want to go back so the audience is clear on, on where we've come. So you're diagnosed in 2003. In 2005, you have another very serious Injury, And so these are very traumatic points, so I don't want to skip over them. So you're diagnosed, that's traumatic all by itself. And then you have another injury, uh, and that injury began to leave you unable to walk, unable that's to amazing. talk sometimes, some able to care for your own basic needs. And she left you out there, and you were homeless for, for quite some time. And so what I think I hear you saying is, and you are defining someone who wasn't supportive, but that used God to tell you to, you know, take care of yourself. Is that correct?
1: Yes. For, um, she used God to, um, I don't know if she didn't want to deal with me, but is that she used God to say, if I said, mom, I need your help. I said, oh, I'm out here alone. Well, you'll be okay. You'll be just pray about it. I said, Mom, but I don't have anywhere to go. I'm not feeling well, you know. Um, or if the or if the hospital called her, she would tell the hospital to stop calling her.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you all t- you all tend to her. Um. And so when they would release you because
0: you couldn't stay there forever, what would happen? Are those were the times you were homeless?
1: Yes, I had to end up going to shelters. Um. Mm-hmm. I had an apartment at one time, but it became a problem. I couldn't maintain the apartment. I couldn't really care for myself in the apartment. So um, I did a lot of transition, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: moving moving here, moving there, moving here, moving everywhere, um, I, where I could never be stable.
0: Yeah. and 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 you said the word disowned. And so even though she didn't use that all the time, She even turned other family members against you because no one came to your rescue. Um, Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: um, Yeah, she took my daughter, was acting out with me. Um, She turned my daughter against me, that that I I was the bad person Mm -hmm. when I was only trying to make sure that um, she was secure. Because when I really took a turn in my life with my health, um, my daughter was still a minor. And the only thing that I asked my mom was to make sure that my daughter was taken care of. Um and that she would apply all the situ- you know, that she would do everything that I that I asked her to do to make sure that to to take to um, that my welfare was taken care of and that I was safe somewhere. Mm-hmm. Just to culture there, to help her there. Yeah. And, so, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, can you go? Can you go back and um, rephrase that question? I'm just trying to. so much has happened. I'm just trying to process uh, everything. And uh... okay,
0: okay, we'll pause for a moment. Okay, so you know, one, you sound very sad. You sound kind of uh, monotone, and I really want the audience to just understand just how alone you were. None of your family. You were in and out of the hospital. You were homeless. Uh, at times, you would find a place, but you couldn't take care of yourself. And even I lost contact with you. And 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 you know, we've been talking for at least maybe two to three decades now. And and I couldn't find you. None of us could find you. You all, in some ways, you fell off the map. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about uh, just we're going to wrap up this episode because remember, we're going to do two episodes. Uh, in our next episode, uh, listeners she's gonna talk about the debilitating disease that she does have and how she is overcoming that and and trying to put her life back together. But I just want you to sum up for the audience just how alone you were so that they could see that.
1: You know, I never knew what it was like to really be alone until I was really alone. And I think what made me feel sometimes, of not being alone, was my faith. Mm -hmm. Um, I I, I then became um, just asking, um, asking God to just be everything for me because I didn't didn't know who to reach out to, Mm -hmm. but he always sent um, someone near, even if it was for a short time or for a long time, Mm -hmm. um, for comfort whether it was in the hospital, whether it was on the, at the bus, on, I mean, on the bus, in the nursing home. I, my most thing I think that I asked when all those times I really felt alone was for, for protection. Yes. Um, because at that point I just felt that, I felt people were burned out because, my, um, because my, my illness was so overwhelmed. And I think now I understand the reason why some people just kind of disappear from my life, mm-hmm. because I don't know what um, the loneliness I think I've, I've ever felt in my life. Now that I recall back to it, it's when I was having heart surgery. Okay. I called my mom, um, her and my sister, and told them that uh, you know I was ready to have surgery, and no one showed up. Mm-hmm. Um and when they did show up, it's I felt that they um that there was not even really an interest I think the interest was just um I don't really know what the interest was. I didn't feel that it was sincere mm-hmm. and I had to go back and have another surgery the same day. No one cared to either try to find out um. Was to make it? What was my transition home? Did I have food? Um, That I'm by myself? No one, it's like no one even cared. Yeah. It was like, I I didn't even, I just felt I didn't even exist. Yeah. And and what I really wanted
0: the the audience to take away from this, and I want to make sure they heard you. This guest was in a convalescent home in her 30s. All along, because they had nowhere to release her to when she would leave the hospital. She was calling home. She was calling relatives and no one, no one came to her help. And so to be in a, and what did you call it? I said convalescent home, but you said something else.
1: They, um, they were nursing homes.
0: Nursing homes.
1: And so I want to wrap up
0: here. I hope the listeners stick around because we are going to disclose her debilitating disease. She's somewhat become an expert on this disease. Many people may be suffering and don't know that they have it, but we're gonna wrap up here. And I just wanna thank you for revealing your story and we will continue in part two.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you all for listening. And for more information about narcissism, you can follow me on LinkedIn or Instagram. Until the next episode, stay safe and healthy. Bye-bye.